This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Green and White, our life's weekly Plymouth Argyle fan led podcast. Plymouth Argyle are back, back amongst the goals, back amongst the wins, and back at the top of the table heading into the busy Christmas period. We've rejoined this week to discuss the 2 1 win over Derek Adams' Morecambe side, our first win in five league games. In the week, Stephen Schumacher made five changes to the starting lineup. We've made some subs of our own. Joining me this week is back on loan, the pod OG Finley Allen. Hello. Our new striker, here to put away the endless opportunities, Daniel Ellard. Hey, chaps. And our ever-present between the sticks, Joe Bell. I'm that one itch that no one can get rid of. Unfortunately. <laughs> Before we get round to the football, praise has to go to the excellent ground staff for managing to get this fixture on in the first place, despite the freezing temperatures. If we're top of the league for anything, it has to be ground maintenance. I think it's best to attack this one chronologically. And as mentioned in the intro, Schumacher made five changes to the starting lineup. Injury worries were slightly eased as Danny Mayer made his first start in 12 weeks. Dan Scar returned to make his first start since the 5th of November. And joining them were the reintroduction of Nigel Lonvite, Bally Mumba and Niall Ennis. Joe, we'll go with you first. A large shake-up post-Cambridge and much needed, right? Um, yeah, I, I guess we all sort of thought we needed something to get us back on track and a pretty tepid more what the doctor ordered. Um, I think it wouldn't have mattered whatever team Shuey had picked. I'm not trying to um, take the gloss over the team that he started, but I think we could have named any 11 out there and they'd have done a job on Morecambe. Um, there was the whole thing, wasn't there, when England put six <clears throat> past Iran, let's not get carried away with it. Similar sort of situation here, I think. Uh, We've put two past Morecambe. Let's not get carried away. Um, five or six. Um, everyone who came in did their job. Um, yeah, the shake-up was needed. The shake-up came. The result was delivered and top at Christmas. Happy days. Ben, as Joe said, it's hard. Um, anybody could have done a job against Morecambe, really. It's hard to single out just one star performer. But just how instrumental were Mumba and Mayer to our creativity on the day? Yeah, I mean, so this is the first game that I've watched um, in a while. But obviously, I think like every time we gave uh, Bally Mumba the ball, it, they just the, the defenders, yeah, in particular Bally Mumba, the defenders just did didn't want to face him. You could just see it every time it was just backing off, backing off, backing off to the point where. He actually had quite a lot of space to to run into because they didn't want to go one v one with him. And then Danny Mayer, like I said, I haven't watched a uh, lot of Argo in recent weeks, but it's just so good to see him like return and you know just see him have an effect on the side that we know he can have because um, he's such an effective player for all of his frustrations. Um, and yeah, you, they were they were pretty much I think the they, if, if anyone was going to make it, because it got to the 70th minute and we hadn't scored. So if, but if any anyone was going to make that goal happen, it was going to be those two. And well, you know, it paid off. Like you said, it, it took to the 70th minute um, 
for us to get a goal. Creativity was in, in abundance in the first half, yeah. um, despite no final finish. Uh, Whitaker could have had himself a hat-trick, instead failing to get on the score sheet and missing a penalty. Dan, I'll give this one to you. Uh, did you think at any point a goal wasn't going to come? Yeah, for sure. I mean... Whitaker, you know, you could, there's one or two of those per game now, isn't there? The kind of long shot from range, which goes a little bit wayward, but um, it, it was an abundant, real abundance of chances um, throughout the game, really. I, I'm, it was amazing how many we had in the first half. And then within 10 minutes of the second half, we were having even more kind of regular chances. Um, so, yeah, for sure. But the, the encouraging thing for me was. Um, yes, yeah, so I kind of take your point. It's only Morecambe and, and, you know, we kind of scrape past them and everything. But in terms of chance creation, that's the best performance that there's been in quite a while. You know, we obviously lost to Port Vale and didn't play well. We drew at Cambridge, but also didn't play well. Drew at Burton, also didn't play well. This was, even if the goal had just never come and it was really one of those days, I think this would have been a real kind of change in how we were performing because we just created so many chances that wouldn't have made it much nicer to be on the wrong end of a, a proper Derek Adams thing though, would it? Absolutely not. Question for all of you, I suppose. Can you, can you remember a game in which we've had so many chances and look so dominant? Like off the top of my head, I can't, but there was 32 chances. Yeah, no, not for a long time. I mean, I remember possibly like if we're going way back just before the podcast started we mentioned Barry um league one um where we just where they, they were possibly like the worst league one side I've ever seen and uh, we we just you know put them away and we had loads of chances then and then like ages ago maybe like Dagenham and Redbridge where we somehow lost when they were bottom of the league in the Wembley season that is the only two games I can really remember of having so many shots, but I can't remember us having so many shots and it taking us so long to score, if that makes sense. That's like the I, first game. I, I will throw into the mix the 7th of March, 2020, Plymouth Argyle 3, Macclesfield 0, just a few weeks before the lockdown. Um, yeah. I remember walking away that day because I think we'd gone within one or two points at the top of the table with yeah. a, a handful of games left. That was the game where George Cooper scored two goals, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember walking away from that game that day thinking, right, we're going up, either as champions or automatics, we're going up. And Macclesfield are very much heading to the conference because that was so one-sided that day. And that was just a matter of how long it took. So I think we scored in the first half and it was 1-0 at half time. And then it was just a matter of how many in the second half that day. Yeah, 30, sorry, 36 shots we had in that Dagenham game you mentioned, Finn. So <laughs> even more than that. We had a, a, a BBC, admittedly, tells me. I don't know this off the top of my head. And, uh, 36 shots to their six and we lost 3-2. <laughs> and sorry, start a side note. Wasn't Poland international Matty Cash the first scorer of that? Uh, he got one of their goals, I believe, yes. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, (laughs) how times change. Well, that's mad. We're going to talk about another Poland international later on, but uh, we'll leave that for now. Yeah, you say about that game against Macclesfield Joe, it was so good. We literally wiped them off the footballing map, Mm. uh, never to return. Well, (laughs) hopefully they return, but just in a different guise. More often than not, we create much less... Obviously, we don't have 31 chances every game. Um, we seem to put away more. Morecambe's defending allowed us in time and time again, as, as, as you've already mentioned. Do you think we're, we're back to our best or just face a poor opponent? I mean, you've, you've all kind of answered that already, but do you think this is a good springboard? I think, again, I'm going to use a World Cup analogy. Do you remember when, was it South Korea went toe-to-toe with Brazil? And they were just blown apart and there was all the dancing and Roy Keane had a meltdown in the studio at halftime. <laughs> and yeah. everyone questioned the tactical lunacy of going toe-to-toe with a team that's considerably better than you. I think for elements of Saturday's game, it was a bit of lunacy for Morecambe to attempt to go toe-to-toe with their system against us. Um, and 
as you say, Aaron, the, the amount of times that eventually we got in behind Morecambe and all these chances that we had, that they just never showed any signs of trying to stop it. Like they were just content to allow us in behind, thinking, oh, it's all right, you know, we'll get away with this. They're being wasteful. Yeah, lads, they've had 27 shots. They, they won't score with a 28. Yeah. Like, they were, they were playing the law of averages to completely the wrong way. And, yeah, I mean, it's a springboard, isn't it? It's, it sets us up perfectly for the next week. We've got three games coming up, two of which are at home. One of them is relatively up the road, all things considered. Don't have too far to travel. Um, you know, it, it sets up that, that little run of games perfectly. It couldn't, I cannot stress enough... And it was mentioned on a nationwide podcast yesterday and other podcasts are available, but this is the better one, obviously. Um, no free advertising on here. No, I'm, no I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention them at all. Um, Cause they wind me up about how little praise they give us, but this game against Morecambe couldn't have come at a better time for our guy. If we could have hand picked our opposition to get us back firing, to get us back playing silky fluid football. And at times in the first half, I was purring at some of our football. Like there was a five, 10 minute spell where we looked, we genuinely looked like no side in the division could live with us, let alone Morecambe. And to come up against a side like that, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's no disrespect to Morecambe because they tried for 70 minutes, they held us off. But it was, it was through luck and a very good goalkeeper that kept them in the game, nothing else. It wasn't through good defending. It wasn't through a good tactical system. It was luck and a good goalkeeper. Well, I would also say poor finishing as well on our part. Um, like Yeah, to some extent. Um, yeah, but I, I do agree, really. Um, uh, you know, I, I said at halftime, it doesn't matter how we win this game. You just got to win it. Uh, because of the because of the run of poor form we've had recently, and it's just so important, you know, to get that momentum going into this Christmas period because you've got game after game, so you don't really have time to, um, you know, stop and really properly look over the mistakes or whatever's happened in the last game. So it's sort of like if you draw or lose to a poor Morecambe side, then you kind of you know, you're even further on the back foot then. And, and, um, and yeah, it was just a really, really important three points in the end. And, and a good performance, really, um, with the caveat of Morgan being so poor, yeah. You guys are basically doing my job for me because the next question is about um, the keeper. Uh, obviously, you say there, <laughs> Connor, Connor Ripley was absolutely outstanding, plus couple that with some poor finishing. For a team rooted to the bottom of the league, you know, they sure have one hell of a keeper who I think about it, I would most probably give him my man of the match, if not number. A brilliant penalty save to, obviously, we'll, we'll keep this chronological, so we'll talk about his save first. Uh, I, I suppose, in, in short, the question is, how good was Connor Ripley? Well, I, w- I would say um, that, you know, to give to give the guy some credit... Um, he he caught what he should have caught, and you know the the saves he made. Um, you know, you, I suppose you have to credit him for not making mistakes. However, I don't think, and I'm prepared to be shot down for this, but I don't think, other than the penalty save, which was a very good save low down to his left, that any of those saves that he made were saves that you're like, wow, that's you know, he's got no right to save that. They were ones that you'd almost expect him to make. A couple of decent, you know, the decent one from Ennis second half, decent one from Mumba first half. Maybe it's just the fact that I've been watching Mike Cooper every week means <laughs> I have too high expectations of a League One goalkeeper. But I, assume, I, I assume just think not... let's not go overboard on how brilliant all of those saves were. Yeah, fair enough. I assume you're not, you're not counting the... Uh... I assume you're not counting the penalty save in there. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The penalty save was an excellent save. That's the one that, you know, fair play. It was a, it, I don't think it was a terrible penalty from Morgan Whitaker, to be honest. And, you know, after um, doing very well to win the penalty and, and um, you know, generally being fairly involved in the first half, you think that would have capped it off with a decent performance to, to stick that away. But, it, yeah, it was, that was a very good save. Outside of that, look, Ripley is, is a, a pretty highly rated keeper, I think. And if 
I'm sure we got various irons in the fire if an offer for Mike Cooper did come in and we did lose him. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go overboard and say it was kind of right up there with some of the absolute best goalkeeping performances we've seen down here. I, I'm. I, I'm sorry to keep mentioning uh, that Barry side, but he did in fact play for uh, that Barry side a few seasons ago. Um, the one I talked about earlier, that was so poor. And he um, saved the Graham Carey penalty in that game as well. And I believe he's also saved three out. I saw a stat uh, the other day. He saved three out of four penalties he's faced um, so far this season. So he's an objectively very good penalty saver. Um, and, you know, I've seen him a couple of times now and um, he just seems a very solid goalkeeper. And it kind of begs the question, like, why does he keep getting gigs at the bottom of the league? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're right there. Three out of four penalty saves this season. Obviously, most shots faced, but that comes with the territory of being bottom of the league. And also November's player of the month for League One, I believe. Really? I wow. OK. Yeah. And despite being bottom of the league in a Derek Adams side. So, Joe... Dan mentioned there that Whitaker's penalty wasn't that bad. But mm. bef- before we started recording, you had a different opinion on that. I'm just going to let you run with that. I just thought it was an awful penalty. It's, it's, it's relatively no man's land in, in the respect of either you find the corner or you put it high. Um, there was no great pace to the penalty that he hit. I just thought it was a really disappointing penalty for an opportunity to put your side in front in the game. Uh it rightfully in front in the game to give the crowd a boost because the atmosphere was flat um, to get everyone going just before half time. I thought it was a really, really disappointing effort. And I think he knew that with his reaction um, as Morecambe played on afterwards. I wouldn't want to step up and try and score the penalty at home park with 14,000 people in the stadium to put your side one up before half time. I wouldn't fancy it. I wouldn't have the kahunas to do it. I also don't have the ability to do it. But <laughs> Me neither. I, but... I just think it was a very disappointing effort at the penalty. <clears throat> I just think, you know, a lot and a lot is, is made of this these days about, you know, it being a good height for the keeper to save and all this. But it was, you know, the, the, it, keeping it low is sometimes a, a, a good option to go with penalties and, and it, it's a, it would be a very kind of cheap thing to say if the keeper guesses the other way and it goes in, maybe, you know, we say that it's not a bad penalty. But I look, it, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the, the greatest penalty I've ever seen or anything like that. But it was I thought it was a it was a good save. It, I, I think it wasn't whilst, a bad save at all. Whilst I want to praise Ripley for his performance, I don't think Whitaker made it too difficult for him to save it. I mean, I think he... <laughs> If this makes sense, you can sometimes have a poorly hit penalty, but a good save um, because you still got to get down and, and, you know, push it away. Plenty of goalkeepers would have not got a strong enough hand on that and it possibly nestled in the corner. One that sticks in my mind is we played Doncaster at home last season where in a game we got two penalties and one of them, Luke Jeffcott, just completely mishit, but the goalkeeper didn't get a strong enough hand on it and it went in the net. I think... Yeah, I think it wasn't the best penalty in the world, and but it could, I I thought on. I mean, I'm down that other end, so it was it looked a good save, but also not the best penalty in the world, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, nice. Um, keeping it chronological, I'm aware that we're 20 minutes in and we haven't spoken about any goals or the the brilliant attacking play in in real depth yet. But going from one set piece to another is a penalty a set piece? Yes. Don't know. Anyway, going from one set piece to another. <laughs> Uh, I noted an interesting corner routine midway through the first half. Uh, Randall short to Mayer, back to Randall, who lofted it over to everyone to Edwards, who smashed it high and over. Does this mean we're finally working on set-piece situations? I'd hope so. And a quick quiz. When was the last time that we scored from a corner? 1962. (laughs) I don't know. Too long. It feels that. Macaulay Gillespie at Bolton is my guess. Any other guesses? Oh blimey! Yeah, that's uh, since since scoring at Chelsea. I think that's the I, I can't think of many in between then. For for someone who's about seven foot eight, Dan Scar doesn't seem to get too many, does he? Which is you know not not criticism, but just just an observation. Uh, yeah, that would I I wouldn't be able to advance on that I guess. It, yeah, no, I'd go the same probably. 
Yeah, correct. 38 games ago, Macaulay Gillespie rose, rose highest against Bolton Wonders. And that's oh, our, no. I believe that's our last goal from a last headed goal from any set piece, I believe. Oh, don't quote yeah. me on that. I don't, don't quote me on that. I mean, I, I am absolutely puzzled. It's like for all of the good that Ryan Lowe started and Stephen Schumacher was carried on, it doesn't matter what manager we have in in charge for years we have been absolutely awful I, I think i think there was a time where we weren't scoring any goals from open play under john sheridan and we were pretty good at set pieces when connor Hurahan was taking them and ruben reed was getting on the end of them but that is literally the last time i can remember us being half decent at set pieces it's puzzling to me i just it, don't get it... excited i no. just when we get a free kick in a attacking position or we get the corner, string a corner. I just sit there, and everyone around you gets all, yeah. This, this is, it just isn't going to be the one, is it? <laughs> Might no, as well play them short. If we're not going to score from them, just play it short. Just, and keep the ball, or, ju- or just put them out for a goal kick and have done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that day at Bolton, I remember like the corner was, like, it was late, relatively late in the game. We we're like, ah, oh, no, nothing of this, and being more surprised at Gillespie actually scoring them than leading Bolton. Um, throw-ins. I remember Ryan Leonard on his debut had a throw-in that he that he launched forward, and I thought finally somebody that's that's gonna take throw-ins quickly and fast and attacking. Did it go um, to a teammate or did it just go it to no one? Oh, okay. It did. And 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 obviously um, we had Kari Arneson for a bit, but apart from that, I don't I don't get excited by any sort of attacking creative outlet whether it be corner free kick throwing none of since, it since graham carey's gone we've had no threat yeah i would go yeah probably as far as that back to positive with half time approaching only randall and butcher and we're, we're gonna gonna debate this one because joe believes that randall did have a shot in the first half were the only outfield players yet to have an effort randall finally got his pot shot off in the 56th minute i'm aware we've spread the goals around this season but did you think there were a little too many pot shots from range something that could have easily come back to haunt us yeah i think i mean by the um stats going around it looks like we had an xg of a round three which you might say off 32 shots isn't that high. And of course, obviously only scoring two goals from a XG of three and a 32, 32 shots is a little bit low as well. Um, so perhaps, yes, but I think it's the nature of some of the players we've got in our team who are capable uh, and have shown this season how capable they are of shooting from range, uh, namely Whitaker and, and especially Adam Randall. So I don't think you can call, give too much criticism um, for that approach. The one that makes me laugh is Macaulay Gillespie. Like, oh, the amount of shots he's yeah, had that was stupid. Box, like, yeah, it just it just, ne- it just looks like it's never going to happen for him, but he always thinks that he can score. Yeah. His effort was a lot better than Nigel Onvite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say that, and at least uh, Gillespie's got a couple, uh, obviously Bolton and um, Chelsea in his locker. I mean, granted, both headers, but he should have scored at Cambridge as well. But yeah, Lomvikes was, yeah. Anyway, less said about that, the better. Despite the endless missed opportunities, you'd imagine both Schumacher and Adams were happy at half-time. Nice quick one. Have we only just reached half-time, have we? Yeah. Is our one listener, is our one listener still awake, do we think? Or Yeah, I mean, Adams, will be, Adams would have been pretty pleased. Schumacher would have been pretty frustrated. I don't, I don't understand how Schumacher could have been pleased at half-time. Um, we, we, we battered well, them and we hadn't scored. Yeah, but I think listening back to his post-match uh, interview, he he just kept saying to the he said to the players, you know, I think the players believed they could break them down. I didn't see any panic in the players really, apart from a couple of times where Mike Keeper bowled the ball out too quick. Um, I, I felt like we knew that we were the better side and we had the better players to break them down. That's uh, yeah. If we were that much the better side, we'd have been in front at halftime. Well, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's jump to 61 minutes in then. Let's keep him awake or them awake. Uh, <laughs> 61 minutes in, still no goal, despite chances from Randall Scar. Three from Ennis, Mayer and Whitaker's free kick in the in the second half. Uh, Schumacher looked to push another man forward as Hardy and Houghton replaced Butcher and Randall. How instrumental was Hardy's introduction uh, into changing the game, changing the dynamic of this one? 
Well, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because you'd think being near the bottom of the league away to second in the league, you know, a team would really kind of sit into a low block and just try desperately to cling on and not give any space in behind, which um, from our point of view would mean less suited to Ryan Hardy um, and more suited to Sam Cosgrove. But as it was, as we've said, you know, Morecambe kind of gave it a go and were still pushing out and, and leaving a space in behind. Therefore, the introduction of Hardy was perfect, you know, having a real outlet um, to, to stretch their defence, get in behind, get us up the pitch. It, it worked perfectly, really. Um, and full credit to him as well. I mean, his some of his finishing was pretty profligate, but, you know, in terms of contributing to our general play, um, yeah, really, really good. And the system change worked as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I think... Not always, obviously, because there's going to be some teams like Wickham that we face this season where you're not going to be able to get in behind them. But I think he is the one player in our team that is really able, especially in that forward line, that is really able to to get in behind teams and actually stretch them. So when when even like when we come up against some of the top teams in the division and they press us, just having Ryan Hardy on the pitch sometimes just to put a ball down the line to, you know... It just it, it helps and it certainly did on um on Saturday. I also think um these two substitutes substitutions that you've just mentioned highlighted one of I think one of Schumacher's better tactical decisions that he's made for quite a while. Um and that was to drop Danny Mayer deeper alongside Jordan Houghton, presumably to get him on the ball a bit more. Um, yeah. And actually, that decision there was a masterstroke because Mayer, looked, I don't know what it was, Mayer just looked so much happier playing in that position. He was able to get on the ball more, he spread it wide more, he got us into really good positions. And that, for me, as much as obviously Hardy changed the game getting in behind Morecambe, um, I also don't think we should overlook the decision to drop Mayer deeper and the impacts that harder on the last half hour. An assist eight minutes after coming on for Ryan Hardy for Niall Ennis to make it 1-0. Niall Ennis seems to have taken the mantle as the the first choice striker at the moment. I'm going to move a question forward. Just a quick one then. Who do you think finishes this season as our top goal scorer? Hardy is currently on on top with 10, four four of which were penalties. Niall Ennis is now up to nine after his goal on Saturday. Whitaker last scored in the 4-2 victory over Exeter. And his joint third with Cosgrove on seven. One more than Azaz. I'm going to go with Ryan Hardy myself because although I feel like he's probably um, the most wasteful striker we have in terms of chances, he's always he always seems the one to be able to get himself in the positions to score goals more. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I'd suspect that Ennis might be the kind of main man in terms of getting the most minutes and being the kind of all-round best fit of the three mm-hmm. um, to start a lot of games. But yeah, Hardy is is so effective um, getting into positions to to um, have you know good good chances, and and as a result of that, um, I think he'll probably edge Ennis. I don't see I don't see the other three on the list. Obviously, as as being being injured. Um, getting close to those two or as close as they are now. Personally, I think it's Niall Ennis, but oh well. You just um, like to be different, don't you? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> from Ryan Hardy's assist to Joe Edwards, um, we, we obviously know what to expect from Joe by now. Edwards, not Bell. Uh, uh, a solid 8 out of 10 most weeks. How impressive was he on Saturday? Yeah, he's just re- reliable. You just know what you're going to get. And, it, uh, you know, just a really good level of performance. The only thing I would say about Edwards this season, slight down down, down point on him, is that um, his shooting, he, like in, 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 in previous seasons, whether it be League One or League Two, um, his shooting, he's had a lot of chances and mainly one on Saturday as well. That Again, he, he seems to have squandered a bit, but his overall general play and... Um, Again, an assist. Yeah, he's kind of invaluable, isn't he? I don't think we should ever look at Joe Edwards as a goal scorer, um, really. It's not what he's in the team to do, is it? 
Um, but he, he he should have had one Saturday. Um, but it was just I. A lot of people have had this um, thought for a while now that Joe Edwards isn't quite the player he once was. I I sort of disagree. I think he's always played to a similar level. I think he may have gone to a he may have upped his level this weekend um, to lead by example. But yeah, I thought he was. I thought it was a very good performance from the captain at the weekend. Um, he will never have a better afternoon to score to get himself on the tally sheet for this season. But yeah, I, I think if that's the only marker we're putting against Joe Edwards' performance as to whether or not it was a good one or a bad one, whether or not he scored, then I think we all need to shake our heads a little bit as to what he's in the side for. I personally don't see him ever going back into that centre mid role, which which uh, goes to show how valuable he is on both flanks. Obviously, switch with Mumba during the second half. Um, you know, he could have had two really: one from the corner, one where he's through um, the assist for Cosgrove, obviously, and, and he won the penalty. So, all round brilliant game from from Joey. Uh, the last 15 minutes descended into mayhem, uh, switching off at the back, leading to a Mike Cooper sliding tackle. Hardy's chip that should have sealed the win. Cosgrove gets his goal and we'll come on to O'Connor in a minute. But just like Hardy, Cosgrove's introduction can't be understated as he tucks away with his cool head after brilliant work from Mayer and Edwards down that left-hand side. What is it specifically that he provides that the other three don't? Cosgrove, yeah. So, so good in the box. Uh, both headers, movement and finishing. I think all, all those three aspects. But it is the issue is... is the limitations of him when he has to play and, and link up play in deeper areas, mm. as we saw in games that he started, such as Burton, where he just didn't get in the game at all. However, if you can get him in those situations against a team that is starting to sit back a bit more, um, he's really, really effective, as we've seen from him when he's come off the bench a lot this season. So I'm very positive about how he can still have a real um, used to us um, coming off the bench against teams in certain scenarios. Um, just hopefully not too many starts because I feel like when occasionally, well, usually when you start, you've got to play a lot of the time outside of the penalty area and he's not particularly useful at that, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think I wouldn't, I honestly don't see a, a game where I would... I would start him. Um, and yeah, that, that that's basically based off the fact that like Dan said, he's, he's just, he's a pure, he's a pure penalty block striker. And, um, you know, that seems more suited to when uh, either defences are tired or you're playing a team that just wants to sit back. And, you know, he, he, he would be a very good striker to bring on. You know, if we are chasing a lead, say, say for example, Wickham, because we always struggle at home against Wickham. If if we were to play Wickham um, and we were losing and with half an hour to go, we're still losing, bring Sam Cosgrove on and let him, you know, battle with their centre-backs. He's just a very good option to have, but I don't think I'd start him from the start because of the thing that things that Dan has mentioned. So we've all agreed that Niall Ennis would start and both Hardy and Cosgrove would come on. Yes, or, or there could be a situation where you have two up front, in which case I would start Ennis and Hardy. Obviously, we've seen Cosgrove and, and Hardy start a few games up front together and it's never gone too well. Now, whilst we're on Cosgrove, a talk from Alan Nixon on Twitter, who's usually a reliable source on these things. Uh, the Birmingham are prepared to offer Cosgrove plus cash to Derby County for Christian Bielik, who played all four games for Poland in Qatar. Uh, not much of a worry for us, is it, Joe? No. Because if he goes to Derby, he can't play. He's played game for Argyll and Birmingham, so um, unless Birmingham are happy for him to go and be a vegetable in Derbyshire for six months until next season, and I'd, I'd like to think that Birmingham have an ounce of decency towards the player, then no. I mean, Alan Nixon's sort of accepted it himself that it's a non-starter of a story. I mean, Derby are just trying to pull a flanker here, I think, but I'm not sure they've whoever's making decisions at Derby now after the new regime's come in. I'm not sure whether they're totally clued up on EFL rules, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a non-starter. Yeah, nice. It was a nice, easy one to get the uh, the free chat, thinking correctly. Uh, Morecambe did craft a few opportunities of their own, mainly shots from range, 
uh, that did finally take one when former Argo man Anthony O'Connor, of all people, turned into prime Neymar, sending yeah. Edwards to the shop and sold Gillespie with a dummy. How frustrating is it to have thrown away the clean sheet? Uh, Very. The, die, the dying embers so nervy. Very. So this is why I'm a little bit cranky about Saturday and why I'm taking a sort of an, a negative spin on things. Um, because as people, as reg, as our one regular listener to the pod will know, um, even on some of our more poorer performances, I've always tried to find the positives. Um, whereas on this really positive performance, I seem to always be trying to find the negatives. Um, and this is the reason. Why have we switched off? They All it was, so if you cast your mind back to the moment that they scored, they're just knocking it around in midfield. And there was absolutely no danger to us. They're having a bit of possession and there's no threat. They're playing in front of us. We have no concerns. All of a sudden, they play one ball down the wing. We then look completely and utterly all at sea and we're not picking up on where people are. And the ball finds O'Connor. Yeah, all right. It's a good bit of feet to initially give himself the space. Cooper gets beat um, and will probably feel he should have done better. I just think it's really poor. And it, 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 for me, it really did take a bit of the gloss off Saturday because if we come away with a 2-0 win, you'd have been saying, right, I still don't think it would have been a fair and true reflection of the game. And I said that on Twitter. I think four or five would have been a fair and true reflection of the game. But 2-0, you'd have thought, right, okay, fair enough. Three points, clean sheet, couple of goals, we look good. Now, the wider public are looking at it going, cool, Plymouth conceded late. They made it difficult for themselves, didn't they? But it wasn't difficult. It was as routine an afternoon as we'll ever have. But we put ourselves under that pressure at the end. And let's not forget, they had a very good shout for a penalty right at the end. Yeah, they did. Probably as good a shout as the one that we actually got, in my opinion. But that's a different thing. I'll be more positive next week, I promise. No, no, it did look a penalty to me. And I kind of agree about the... Because it was just no danger. They were literally knocking it around. And both teams kind of looked resigned to it being 2-0 which is fine. But then if the, if Morecambe go and does, I just think it was really poor, particularly from Gillespie, because he just doesn't even force him away from goal. He just keeps him going to, you know, it's a good finish from O'Connor, but even so, it's just like, I don't agree that it kind of takes the gloss. It's, I mean, 2-0, 2-1, you know, it's three points against Morecambe. We're not going to remember it in in even two weeks' time. But, but yeah, it's just habit, really. Um, but I'm sure that's something that, the the coaching staff can look o- look over and just say you know switch on a bit more. So we're not, we're not suggesting that Anthony O'Connor is going to be on any sort of shortlist to the Puskas Award. No, I mean it was a good run, but I don't think he. I think he was kind of helped by the fact that Argyle sort of switched off. I don't. I don't remember him doing anything like that for us. No, I mean he was he was solid yeah. enough. Um, <laughs> but he, he was didn't he score once and then. Reveal a Superman shirt underneath against like Northampton or something. Is that O'Connor? I'd struggle, to, I'd struggle to name you five games I remember him playing in. It wasn't one of my more memorable loan spells of a player at the club. According to FOTMOB, he got three goals in 47 appearances. Did he? That's, that's I obviously surprise. wasn't at those three games. More than he got for Burton, but less than he got for Aberdeen. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> We all know Derek Adams likes a press conference and he appeared to be quite complimentary of Argyle whilst also bigging up his shrimp sides in speaking to their own press officer. He said, we've come to a team who are top of the table and we've tried to go toe to toe with them. It was difficult at times because of the equality, because of the quality in their team. I thought we started the game very well. We pressed them high up the pitch and they knocked a few balls out of play. When we did create opportunities, it was our fault with a bit of slap play or giving the ball away. 31 times <laughs> uh, I'm very proud of our players because to come here when they've only lost once at home this season they are top of the league for a reason uh, we had a bit of pre-chat before we recorded where do you rank Morecambe uh, on the level of opponents that we've faced in League One I feel like there's a Bury anecdote coming yeah I mean they're not they weren't the worst like I was surprised actually because you know for me if I remember all of the games where... Because we used to start seasons quite slowly under Adams. And I know it's not kind of the same thing because we had a better quality of player. But I just remember us, you know, putting 
10 men behind the ball and, and, and sort of relying on counter-attacks when we were, um, you know, struggling a bit. So, so for them to see them actually go toe-to-toe with us was quite surprising. Um, and obviously we've kind of brushed over this already, but it kind of made it easier for us to, to break them down because we just kept them getting in behind them. Um, but I, so I kind of admire their, their, um, their kind of bravery to, to go toe to toe with us. And obviously looking at their results recently, they haven't been too bad, you know, even though Portsmouth are out of form, um, they drew with them, they drew with Exeter, um, they narrowly lost to Lincoln. So if you look at the results in isolation, they're not awful, but they just, they did, I just struggle to see how they're going to get anything from the season, really. They haven't got pace at the back. They haven't got much threat up top. Cole Stockton's goals has dried up, you know. I just, I don't know. They're not awful, but they just weren't anything to shout about. Since 2000, only one team at the top of League One at Christmas has missed out on the top six at the end, which happened to be Portsmouth in the 2021 season, but due to COVID had only played 19 games and they were only actually four points clear of seventh at the time. Do we all have trust in this side to get the job done? Um, Oh, yes, I hope so. (laughs) I'd, I'd say, I think we'd all say it with more confidence if last season hadn't happened, wouldn't we? But... Surely there will we we will get over the line. For starters, we're not going to need eighty three points again like we did last season to get to get top six. And um, I think with the right additions in January, obviously we need a bit of depth adding. Um, but that's not to say we should just sign a few few random bodies that aren't going to fit into our style or, or be good enough. Um, but I have faith that those. Um, those additions will be made and and that we can get over the line. Can we get top two? I fear we may get outpunched, to be honest, but if we can get safely into those playoffs, at least, that would obviously be a really good season. And um, yeah, I think we can, we can get the job done. Uh, next up on Boxing Day, sees us face our annual jaunt to Cheltenham to face the Robins. Despite their game against Lincoln being postponed last week, they're sitting in 17th. And just one for Finn. Initial thoughts and predictions. I don't, I don't know. I I see us getting a one-one draw there. Really, um, I can see us kind of playing poorly, but doing enough to get the win. But at the same time, we haven't been brilliant away from home recently, um, and I wouldn't be too distraught with a with a point at Cheltenham unless it was an absolutely awful performance. Because I think you know they're they're nothing special, but. You know, they're 17th, so it's not like they can't get a result. Dan, any more positive thoughts? Yeah, well, I'll, let's let's hope so. Um, is that about as positive as I can be? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't settle for a point, like you were saying, Finn. I think, and I'm, I'm not, I don't think that was the point you were making. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's not going to be straightforward. Um, you know, a reasonably physical side. Um, our away form, of course, as we as we were saying earlier, isn't great. So it'll be it'll be a tough game, but one where I certainly feel like if we if we keep creating chances like we did on Saturday, then we can we can pick up another three for sure. Their pitch, their pitch isn't always the best either. That's the other thing. Yeah, Joe, you've previously lumped uh, Cheltenham Town into the pot as one of the more physical sides in this division. What are you expecting come three pm Monday? A bloodbath, if truth be told. Um, <clears throat> they've only conceded 22 goals this season, I've, I'm just looking at. So I'm sure we can add a few more to that. Um, I'd be pretty mortified, really. Unless something transpired in the game that meant a point was a good result, I'd be pretty mortified if we're settling for a point here. Um, we're 22 points better off than them in the table. Um, we've scored 25 more goals than them. Um, I know we've only conceded... We've only, well, they've actually conceded less than us, um, yeah. which is a frightening thought. But then that is the fact we conceded five in one night. Um, yeah, it's going to be physical. Um, as just alluded to, the pitch isn't expected to be a billiard table, is it? Um, they play two up front. Alfie May is going to be a threat. Circums a nuisance and has been for years. 
delighted that, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but I'll be delighted the day that bloke retires. They got Broom to sweep things up on the wing. Um, <laughs> Very good. Sorry, sorry, I had to get that one in there. Um, he's, he's actually yeah, been I mean, utilised more as a centre mid for Cheltenham. Has he? Which, yeah, which surprised me, yeah. Okay, interesting. Not somewhere I'd ever think about playing him. But look, it's it's not going to be easy. No game's easy. It's ga- it's football. However, off the back of what we've done on Saturday, if we create even half of the chances that we do, if we can replicate half of those chances at Cheltenham, then we should be taking two or three. Um, and weren't we in a similar sort of mindset this time last year? And actually, we went and put in a thoroughly professional performance up there. So, I believe so. Um, yeah. Panuche Kamara was excellent that day. Obviously, got a goal and assist. Garrick scored, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I personally, you know, I'm happy to now put my positive hat on. I, I envisage us having no problems, and I look forward to rubbing the egg off my face this time next week when things go pear shaped. But yes, <laughs> three points, three points on Saturday, three nil, three nil win, um, and we're all enjoying a nice boxing day. Obviously, like you said, ranked seventeenth, but twenty fourth. For goals per game, 21st mm. on average possession, 22nd on expected goals, 23rd on shots on target. So it's it got nil nil written all over it. It could be a fun <laughs> boxing day. Um, you mentioned Liam Circum. Not that I um, encourage gambling, but whenever we play Liam Circum, I chuck a couple of quid on him to score. It's come in a few times. And also former players, obviously Ryan Broom. Um, and you've, you've mentioned him, so we won't go back over that. Before we go, Argyle's academy side came through with a huge win against them up the road, leading 2-0 at half-time from goals from Freddie Osaka and Oscar Halls. Argyle went on to claim a 3-2 win as Jenkins Davis proved to be the difference yet again. It's absolutely brilliant to see the same names popping up with goals. Um, Actually, very quickly, um, that's a good point. Jenkins Davies yet again the difference, and Jenkins Davies yet again can't get on the bench. Is there anything in that? Maybe it's more that they just want him to have 90 minutes in the in the resis rather than two minutes in the first team, I suppose. But Isaka and Roberts were on the bench on Saturday, so I just don't understand. Because obviously the last, it's been a little while since Jenkins Davis was the, the chosen child on the bench. Yeah, um, he's not he's not featured since that Grimsby game, right? Where he no, and didn't oh, have the yeah, because he game, started right, yeah. But he just didn't he didn't have an impression on the game. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's got to like, work his way back up. I don't know, but. But I mean, what more can the lad do? Because every time we read an academy report, they're always glowing about how good he is. I mean, I've seen him a few times and I think he's a really good player. Yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. Him, him, Endicott, Halls, Asaka we've, and... We've got a really who's good... The, who's the other lad? Roberts, Roberts, Roberts. Yeah, we've got a really good group and there's Joe Hatchlow in this group as well. The young lad who's scoring goals for Welsh age group. Oh, nice. um, there's a really good group coming through, but I'm just surprised that I just hope that Grimsby game isn't staining Jenkins Davis's reputation amongst the first team because I think that'd be a travesty. Last but not least, if you could have one Argyle-related gift this Christmas, what would it be? Promotion. Am I uh, allowed Christmas? To, can we have that early? Well, you know, yeah. just just back order yeah. it for April or something. Um, Pre-order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not back order. That'd be last season. Does it have <laughs> to be realistic? No. Graham Carey in the January transfer window for no other reason than it's Graham Carey. It would solve that that problem that we have when Mayor and Azaz are both cropped. Yeah. Not I sure it'd be a third choice, though. <laughs> I have two things. One is the drum to get repaired quickly, because Home Park without a drum is a flat place. And two, an Argala massive chocolate bar. <laughs> I'll be disappointed nice. if they have sold out before my family <laughs> can be able to go and buy them, because let's be fair, <laughs> everyone wants that as a stocking filler. Yeah, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. We are massive. Uh, really quickly, actually, obviously, I watched the games on Argyle TV. I tweeted at half time, like, is there a problem with the mics or something? It was absolutely dead. Oh, yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was kind of an arrogant expectation from the crowd that we we're just going to walk through them. And then by the time it got to 45, like, you know, half time, it was like, oh. Um, but they, I mean, it usually is as well. Like, if you've only got, like, they brought 83 fans, but to be honest, it didn't even look like 83 when I was when I was looking over. Um, and, you know, fair play to them, but there's just no... There's nothing for the crowd to respond off either. Um, I, I saw a theory on uh, online about how 
um, when it's colder, it will always be quieter because A, everyone's wearing gloves, so clapping makes less noise, and B, uh, you're a lot colder, therefore your body kind of goes into survival mode and you're less kind of up and at it and making noise and all this. That might be a bit generous, might it? But we'll maybe give give our fans the benefit of the doubt for that. And also, classy touch by the... Um, uh, uh, stadium announcer i thought to kind of mention about the 83 morecambe fans i thought that was that was nice so two two points i'll add there on what dan said uh number one whoever wrote that clearly had had a rather tropical flavored argon (laughs) where they wrote wrote that theory i I like the thinking outside the box um and the second thing is yeah i think you know i've been pretty critical of morecambe as a team but if there are any shrimpers who end up listening to this and were at home park on saturday um I doff my proverbial cap to because that is some phenomenal effort. Um, A lot is made on social media about away followings and clubs that take more fans than others. It does, you know, people seem to think it gives them a God given right to get promoted. Um, Portsmouth, Um, but (laughs) Sunderland, you know, Sunderland or another one. Um, But it was a bloody long way a week before Christmas you know, obviously the problems this week with the weather and was the, you know, up until half past one on Saturday, nobody could ever really be confident the game was going to go ahead. Um, you know, and we sort of take these trips for granted as it's, you know, it's every other week for us that we make these trips. But for a club like Morecambe, who, you know, it, it's, a, it's a long way. I mean, we've got to do it on a good Friday, so I'm sure there'll be a similar amount of sympathy directed towards us when most of the motorways are closed because some caravans fallen over. Was um, it was it was it Morecambe where we played them on Good Friday and half our support didn't yeah. Jordan yeah, House scored. Oh yeah. Yeah. How can I forget? Yeah, one of his many two. Oh. Yes, exactly. Many. Um so yeah, I think, you know, credit to the Morecambe fans. They didn't have a great amount to get behind from their team. Um but yeah, it's a brilliant effort. We should never moan, I don't think, at away support because we know how difficult it is to get away. Absolutely. Brilliantly <clears throat> said. Nice. Unless it's Portsmouth, going. Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday or Exeter, then we can quite happily mock. Yeah, screw, screw them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, happily. Um, nice. I think we'll call it a day. Cool. And obviously, we won't see you guys until after Christmas. So have a good Christmas. And, uh, Thanks, yeah. Angie. Cheers. We'll see you again. Cheers, guys. Later. Thanks. Right. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.